0: Okay, let's go. Okay, Vayigash. Oh, first of all, we should mention that the Torah learning in shul this week, this, today, is sponsored by Bracha HaMekha Gutlov and Rabban and Barak Adams. In honor of the yard to the Barakha and Rabban's grandfather, Yol Aaron ben Yaakov Yitzchel Cohen, whose Yeret is the sixth day of Teves, his neshama, Havan Our uh, Learning today should be as the for his neshama. Okay, so we're going to start uh, beginning of Parsha Vayigash, right from the start, the beginning of Parsha Vayigash. Uh, and the Parsha begins, Vayigash Elav Yehuda. So Yose, Yehuda, what's Vayigash Elav? Yud, I didn't put any translation here. He came close. He him. came he close. Approached to him. Yose, Ye, Yehuda came close to Elav, to him, who's him? To Yosef. To Yosef. Vayomer, be He says, please, my master, davar, adoni, let your master, your servant speak in the ears of your master, of my master. Vayichar and don't be upset with me because you're like Paro, and then he continues and he tells the whole story. You asked me to you, know, you. You asked us about ourselves. So we told you. We went to our father. And He tells the whole story in a nice long explanation of what's happening. Fine. It's a very, so, dramatic very dramatic presentation. Very dramatic presentation. So he uh, so he goes and he and he approaches Joseph. You didn't miss anything. We just started. So, so he approaches and tells him, "Can I speak? You know, maybe a little closer. Have a conversation." But there's like a lot of. Question: The the, the are very very bothered by this word, these phrase, Vaigash elav Yehuda. Yehuda approached Yosef. Why would the mafarshim be bothered by the phrase Vaigash elav Yehuda? What would be bothersome about it? Thoughts, ideas, wonderments. How
1: often have we heard this uh, verb? Vaigash. Yeah, we're we're going
0: like, to see it. Not so it. many times. So Vayigash does not come up so many times. That is true. We're going to see actually it comes up at least three times. Mm-hmm. And that is true. We don't see it very often. It's Good.
1: Disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Disrespectful. Like the audacity to walk yeah, up to like, like the who, vice boy. Right. Right. Like, who is he? Okay. Right. It's like
0: very powerful language. Okay. Um, but just to be fair, if that's true, that could bother you about what Yehuda you, you did, but it wouldn't bother you that the text tells it to you that way. Right. Because that would be the truth. Right. Right. Um, so that's fine. Meaning what that could be an answer. Like there's something dramatic taking place here. Um, any, any reasons why this should be like a kind of a strange thing for the Torah to tell us though?
1: Unnecessary detail.
0: Okay. If we're thinking about what happened at the end of last week's Parsha, the Parsha's Miketz is the, uh, one of the only Parsha's that ends as a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. right? Actually, Yehuda is already talking to Yosef. He's already approached the viceroy and he's already saying to him, it's, it's all right, so fine, oh, we'll all oh, be slaves to you. He yeah. already brought them all back, right? They, right? Yosef hides the cup, and Benjamin's bag, and they find it, and they, and they all tear their clothing, and they bring them all back to Mitzrayim, and then Yehuda stands up, and he starts talking to Yosef, and he is the leader of this conversation. He says, you know, he says, we'll all be slaves. No, 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 just, and, you, and Yosef says, no, just the one who's, who's, stole, who, who stole really the cup, just is. he's the one who's going stay with, to stay with me dun-dun-dun to be continued <laughs> right and now the Torah says but you guys should love you though We you you so it doesn't make sense He's already talking in up
1: there right
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, Yehuda also, was already there
1: also, well, was is the, the the
0: heaven. Heaven. well Yehuda's the speaker the okay. right no that's a good question but I am saying Yehuda's already talking right. well, last week's podcast I should have so brought, so brought right. you the end of last week's part. Yeah. Yeah. sorry yeah. I apologize sorry my mistake but next year I'll be better right but yeah if you see if you actually see the psukim the conversation is stuck, stopped right in the middle stops right in the middle it's actually the middle of the parak. To, to be fair, but the way we finish the Parsha, we stop there, and so really, it's just a continuation of the same conversation. Somebody, like, gosh, I love you though. Kind of strange. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. What else?
1: What was the language? I mean, I can just grab a kolmish. We're gonna be my Josh. But right. what was the language? Oh, what was the language when you first when approached him?
0: Oh, so let's see. What does it say?
1: You're
0: going to be faster at this. <laughs> <laughs> like, let me scan two dense pages of Hebrew text. So Yehuda and the brothers come back to Yosef's house, and he's like, Yosef's there, and they fall on their face. Yosef, Mama says, What did you guys do? I can't believe it. You know that I'm a, I'm a sorcerer. Yehuda says, By the way, this is the language we use in. Oh. So- we use, yomer, in yeah. we use this language in We use this language in Tachanon, right? Manomer mm-hmm. mer, We use language in, in Slichos. We use yes. it on Yom know, Kippur, right? Man it's interesting. That's language that Yehuda used. But it just starts with Vayomer Yehuda, right? And he says, We'll be slaves. And he says, No, Chalila Yosef Sibat, Chalila So, so, I'm not going to do that. I'm not to think all of you, whoever has the cup, that's the person who's going to stay. And everyone else, go out back to your father. And then the Torah says, Vayigashi lav Yehuda. By the way, there's a break in the text. But that says, Vayigash lav Yehuda. And y- Yudah approaches. So okay. it, it it's not again the it's not like there's to be answers to this question. But like it's kind of funny, right? There's something that the Torah is really emphasizing here by all of a sudden by Gashi Love Yuda, there's something new that is taking place, presumably, in this moment that wasn't happening before. Yes.
1: Um, when whatever the name of the Parsha is, that's the name, not just because that's coincidentally the first word or the first two words, it's because that's the theme. So, like Yisro,
0: is Vaishma Yisro. We don't call it Vaishma, we call it Yisro. Right,
1: it's like right, the, yeah. the theme of that Parsha is right.
0: Yisro. It's, it's a good question. Here. Who gave the names to the Parsha also right. I don't know like, when that started, <laughs> but okay, but yeah.
1: So, and maybe I am like skipping ahead because you titled this Approaching Ourselves, Approaching Others, uh-huh. but like the theme of the Parsha must in some yeah, way right. be approaching. Right. So I don't know what we're approaching, but that's sticking out to me.
0: Right, there's, a, there's something happening here in this moment. Yes. For me, it seems
1: like the difference in language that he was talking to him before. He's not just continuing to talk to him now. It's not like it's not saying "vayomer" more. Like you know, like he's continuing talking. He's going, he's meeting. He's going up to him. There's something personal. Here. Something going on here. Something hmm. going on. Here. Good. Wasn't it true that they had translators? Um, yes. Wasn't there like a
0: quote really, like, of the Medrash? The, the Torah says "v'ha'mealitz yeah. beino sum." The Torah says that there was a translator because presumably Yehuda and his brother spoke Hebrew, and the viceroy of Egypt only speaks
1: Egypt. Egyptian.
0: Right. Egyptian, even though he speaks Hebrew, um, but they have, according to the Medrash, who's the Meiliets? It's Menashe. Right? Menashe is there. Manasha works as the bilingual child, right? And he is the one who is. They, they don't know it's Manasha, They've never met Menashe before. They don't know who he is, but he's the one who kind of like you know, sp- you know, speaks between. them. yes, they're not. They're not speaking directly because they are. They always have a translator. That is true. That is true. Um, so let's see. Let's see. We're going to see a few approaches to this question. What is the Vayigash? What's the value of this word? What is it coming to teach us? What does it show me about what Yehudah is doing here? So take a look at source number two. Source number two is the Orachim HaKadosh. Orachim HaKadosh. In source number two, he writes the following. elav, I don't know what that stands for. Tsarach li... I don't know what that means. So He's asking a question.
1: I don't
0: know. He's he's bothered. Lama... Sorry, I wish I knew. Lama Hutzrech Lomar Vayigash... Why is he saying by gosh? He was already talking to him. So what's going on here? Right. Take a look. Chazal say things in the medrash. Fine, but but if you take a look down the next paragraph, he explains what the right what the um, answer is. What he thinks. What is the answer? You didn't sit in a room and talk to the king, you and the king. That's not how it works. Right, what happens? There's all these people, right? There's all these like servants of the king and his, and his different advisors. And right? he's not the king, he's the second in command, but the vice president, right? He has a whole entourage that comes along with him, right? So Yosef also, his security detail, all these people. In fact, how do we know that there are people there? From later on in the story. When he, leaves yeah. when he reveals himself, out. he says, Get everyone out of here. So clearly, it's not just Yosef by himself. There are all these other people there. Okay? And that's when you speak to a king. There's a whole group standing in front of him. A person comes to get answers to questions or wants something from the king. He doesn't right, stand in between the king and his officers. Right? He stands outside the circle. He's not in the inner circle, literally. He stands outside the inner circle and he speaks to the king but all the Hevra with the king are, hang- are there. Until now, Yehuda was standing on the outside. He goes, he steps inside the circle which he's not supposed to do. Okay? He steps in to the king. He stands in between them. Why? So that no one should hear except for the king. He's the only one who should hear. Meaning, he, and by the way, it works with the language. Look what he says. Look back in the Pasuk. I want to speak it into your ears. Meaning like, can we just talk between the two of us? Can we have a private conversation here for a second? I'm not, I don't want to talk with all these people listening. I just want to talk me and you. He comes closer. Can we, can, again, it doesn't mean he's being nasty. But he's trying to come close to have a more intimate conversation between him and the viceroy. Can we just talk about this for a minute? Okay. Because, by the way, he already started. Will I stay? No, no, no. I want to tell you something. And, by the way, what does he then tell him? What are the things that? What is? I, I didn't bring the, the whole the whole story here. <laughs> Sorry. But, but what whatever, does he tell him?
1: Whatever's next. We, I have a sick father. Mm-hmm. I yeah, you a,
0: asked me about my it's father, it's and and, and then and then you and you said and you asked us where we are, and we told you the honest truth that we're we're twelve children, and one of us is in here, and and then you said, really, what's your father like? And he says, and and, and, and now you're going to maybe bring the, the young one down, and we told you we can't because my father's sick, and it'd be terrible for him. And how bad is? And by the way, a lot of focus on the father, which we will get to in a second, right? But. He tells him a very personal, moving, right, emotional story right, about the challenge that this will create for his father. He doesn't say something not nice. He says, I, I can't. I can't have you do this to my father. And that, that's why he says, take me instead. Take it's me and up." Since Yosef kept saying, is your father old five? Ah, good. Yosef asked it over and over again. Yes, we're going to get to that. Absolutely. We're going to get there. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So according to Rochaim Akadosh, though, just in terms of like a, like a simple pshat, right? Like this is not fancy, this is not medrish, this is nothing, this is just the simple explanation. What's ha- it fits the text very nicely, actually. It's almost like the Rashbam said it, right? That he, he we have to always give him a sh- you know? shout out. But, the, but, but the, it's the, the, the simplest, most basic answer is that he comes to him and says, come on, can we, can we just talk about this? And by elav, is the goes he, he gets closer. He enters the inner circle and asks to speak to him directly, which is a little hard still because he still needs the translator, which is a good point. <laughs> so the translator, presumably, the interpreter probably is probably still there. But, but nevertheless, comes close. Fine. That's one answer. Yeah? No. Not yet. Okay. <laughs> when you're ready. Next. Next is the Kliyaka. The Kliyaka in source number three says the following, So, so, Kliyaka says like this, remember as part of this whole story, right, what happens when they, initially, initially, when Yosef starts to give them trouble. So at some point in the conversation, what do they do? They turn to each other, this is earlier on in the story, and they start to say, I told you, God is finally getting us for what we did to Yosef. And remember, and they're all talking in Hebrew. And this is what it tells you there's a translator they didn't know, right? Is that, did you realize? And he was—he was—he was, you know, crying to us to take him out, and he didn't listen. And it was all, it's all—it's all our fault. We shouldn't have done this. And this is why all this bad stuff is happening to us now. And oh my gosh, you bring bringing Yamin down, like they start to put the, all things together as if it's like Mei which obviously it is, but it's really from Yosef, right? Who's manipulating the whole story. But Yosef hears them, right, having this whole conversation. But they, they're starting to do tshuva. They're starting to realize that they, they messed up. Jewish
1: guilt.
0: Jewish guilt. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but they, but this guilt is Jewish guilt is usually like you know it's like. Not as appropriate sometimes, like you don't need to be that guilty. This is appropriate guilt. It's something terrible. Right. And they feel terrible about it. So look what Khiaqar says, God has has, you know, found our mistake. Wrote Balchov He found someone to collect the debt from us. Right? Who's gonna collect the debt? Yosef. Right? The viceroy of Egypt is now going to lay down the hammer. Look what you did. You didn't care about your brother. Boom. Now Karashbrahu says, I found someone else to take your other brother. Right? Viram Zulo Shakoza I mean, this is all like, like it's almost like it's almost like, yeah, like the details don't really matter. Yeah, yo, the viceroy, who gets the viceroy? Karashbrahu is pulling the strings here, right? Because of the very they did. After it happened already. That's what they said. That's what they said. It was because we're guilty. What we did to our brother. So Yehuda comes forward to say, in a certain sense, on what he did. Please my master. Oh, so Avon, this sin. So he, so he why is wise Yehuda step forward? Who was the one who said sell him to the Yishmaelim? Mm-hmm. It was Yehuda. Yehuda is the one who had the idea. to be fair, Chazal say it was, you know, Shimon Levi who wanted to kill him, and Yehuda said, let's sell him. But but Yehuda, in the end of the day, they all listened to Yehuda. Right? And, and he sort of steps forward to say, like, let me just tell you something. Like, this is all my fault. Right? The reason I have to step forward more than anybody else. Is because I'm the one who's responsible for this. Right when after the story of the selling of Yosef, before we talk about the story of Yosef and Potiphar's house, there's a break with a story that we said we'd never talk about. Right, but maybe next year we'll talk about it. It's the story of Yehuda and Tamar, or the story that you skip in third grade, right? And that story is when Yehuda learns his lesson. He learns to grow up. But what, what, That story begins with, it's a beautiful language in the Torah. He goes down. Okay, maybe he traveled southward. But really, what Rashi says, what does it mean? Ach, uh, ach horiduhu so. His brothers like... Lowered him down from his high horse. You told us to sell him. If you were to told us to bring him back to Abba, we would have, we would have done it. Who is the one who feels that bad, you know, feels so bad about what he did? And he's the one who's like everybody blames it, places on him, not just by way of it was his idea, but also because. He
1: was their leader, they would have...
0: They were listening they to him. They would listen right? he, was the, he was the brother they listened to. He wasn't the oldest, right. mm-hmm. but he was the louder, loudest voice in the room. And they knew, and he knew, that if he would have said something different, they would have done something different. Rashi telling us what the Medrash says, it's fine, but the point being, it was obvious that Yehuda was the leader. And how do you know Yehuda was the leader? By the way, what he, what he does now. <laughs> right? Yehuda is clearly the leader. Right? Umach mashayat shnei And for these reasons, Ammar Yehuda Yosef bi adoni. And that's why Yo- he says to Yosef, my master, oh, so avon, bi adoni, meaning, is not pleased, it's, it's about me. I'm going to talk to you because it was me. It's my fault. You want to know why I'm coming? Be, Adonai. He comes forward and says, it is me. Be, it's about me. misplaced that he's taking all of the responsibility? Uh, a little bit. Could we argue that he's not the only one at fault here? Yes.
1: They wanted to kill him.
0: He yeah, everything. yeah, yeah. But they, but he, in the end of the day, maybe they made the would have done nothing. Right. right. Maybe right. He Reuven died. wanted to take him out of the pit. And he shows up later, and he, and he realizes that he got rid of him. He's like, oh my gosh, can't believe this happened, right? Problem is, what did Reuven not do? He did not Reuven have didn't to say, him. this is wrong, right? So he didn't step up and say, so the, everyone holds some guilt here. No, no one's got free, right? But Yehuda. Right? Certain people, it's, uh, if you're the leader, then you take, then you take more responsibility. Right? I'm, I'm responsible for all this. Right? This is up to me. And that's why he says, "Be Allah, <laughs> you die, gets closer and says, It's about me. This is my responsibility. I'm going to step forward. And that's why he says, I'm going to be the one to take Benjamin's place. Very nice, I thought. Very nice. Also, not such, a, not such an extreme, gets a little more midrashic. But still, very you know, fitting. Okay, Fine. Also, yes.
1: I, I think we had this conversation not last week, two weeks ago, when we touched a little bit on the Yehuda Tamar story. Um, I feel like there's been this like character growth since that of like when he said he set kami many. Like all of a sudden, he realized like, whoa, I'm not like the most righteous person here, and so now like looking for other opportunities to do tshuva and take accountability for things. I feel like this follows that nicely.
0: Perfect. Okay. It's per- it's perfect. It's a beautiful. The story of Yehuda is actually a beautiful story. Because who becomes the who becomes the king, children of Yehuda? Mm-hmm. Well, not the children of people who do not averos? No, the, ch- the children of people who make mistakes and say, "I made mis- I, I, I I blew it," and I'm happy to stand in front of you and tell you exactly what I did, and be honest about it. Right? We we've, we we've touched on this before. Like the world doesn't believe in second chances, unfortunately. Like the the world, and the public world. We talked about a little bit two weeks ago, also, yeah. right? But it, but there's actually a very important message there in second chances. Everybody messes up. Right? Everybody messes up. Well, and so... I was... assume that
1: the viceroy of Egypt...
0: Oh, that he knows?
1: At, no, would care at all about his family dynamics and drama. Well, because the viceroy might be up? wondering,
0: why are you coming forward? I thought that one's the oldest one. And, y- and Yosef clearly knows that. They think because he's a sorcerer, right. he sits them in order. Right. Right? So why am I coming and not you Yeah. But so you I'm going to explain to you why I'm the one who's going to talk to you because I'm the one who messed this all up for us. I mean, yeah. Yosef had asked about the family dynamics... And oh, where's Where, that other brother? Where's the other brother? Isn't that so so it's. I he a nano. Couldn't help himself. Right, so. right.
1: This thing is stolen from these poor Jewish slave people from another land. Like,
0: <laughs> but put <it> the way. <laughs> put that's the two together. But ready? Put the two together. You know, if the he,
1: father's going to get upset, mm-hmm. the father mm-hmm. didn't raise them properly.
0: Okay, but look, but put the, but put the two together. Is that the first shot? Was he wants to tell this?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: if anyone didn't, didn't come last night? You can listen to Dr. Rober yeah. from last night. I Amazing thinking, about yeah. parental guilt. Okay. Amazing oh, stuff about parental guilt and about being the good enough parent. Really, I'm gonna post it later on the. On the okay. uh, you see, it. it's really excellent about this. It's all about this also. Um we put it together, right? The first shot is, he says, I want, I want to talk to you privately. Like, you need to understand what's happening in my family. Right. right. And put that with this. And I want you to understand why it's me, because our family has some stuff, mm-hmm. and I'm the one who blew it, and I'm the one who's going to tell, tell you about it. Right? Fascinating. Okay. Okay. Good. Okay, but there are other explanations that are a little more, what do you want to call it? Deep. But not 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 surface level answers. Okay, two more answers which are kind of kind of related, um, but really nice. Number four is the dark Moshe. The Darkei Moshe says the following answer. The Dark Moshe is the, is the Rama. Moshe Ishlach, right? The Rama who wrote the comment, his commentary, right? His emendations to the Shulchan Aruch. The Shulchan Aruch was written in around, around the middle of fifteen hundreds by Yosef Karo, mm-hmm. who was writing a right after the. Let's back up the tour, Rebbein Yaakov, the son of the Rush, so he writes, decides to put together this whole book called the Arbaturim, where he takes all of the Ashkenazi and Sephardi uh, Piskehalacha and puts them together in this book and puts it into four sections. The first person really to ever make like a book of laws that's ordered by topic rather than ordered by like Masechta in, in the Gemars. So he writes this book. And then after the tour writes that book, so there are a number of people who start to write commentaries on that book. One of them being rav Moshe Isolus writes the dark Darke Moshe. Another one being this person named Rabbi Yosef Cairo, right? the, 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 the Moshe is living in Poland, Yosef Cairo is living in Sfat, in Israel. And they both write a commentary on the tour, giving explanations. The base Yosef is much longer. The Hake Moshe is very short. The base Yosef is very long, very long uh, explanations. Because um, basically when the tour did, he wrote these like, basically like, this is what you do. And base Yosef is like, wow, well, you have to explain why. And he gives you a whole background as to why that is. And the attack Moshe makes little emendations So then what happened both the Beis Yosef and the Ramah both decided we're going to write a, a new book called the Shulchan Aruch, which makes it even more concise and, and precise in terms of what the Pesach is. And they didn't know the other one was doing that at first. So the was like, I'm going to write this book. Actually, there was another person, the Lavush, who also wanted to do the same thing, but he was like way late to the party. The Ramah was his, his, his Rebbe. And so, so, the, so the Beis Yosef is writing that book, and the Ramah says, you know, what, instead of writing a different book rivaling him, I'm just going to put in the places where Ashkenazim differ from Svardim, and that's how you get the Machaber and the Ramah, the Machaber being the Raviyot Kara and the Ramah of Moshe Deishilis. So Moshe Isolus, before he wrote that, emendations on the Shukrach, he wrote his notes on the tour called the Dark Moshe. And in that Sefer, source number four, in Orchayim Sivan Hey, which is the halachos of, you know, Shema and Tefillah, he quotes the following idea from the Rokeach. Because of our Rokeach, when a person wants to daven, yelech lefanov gimol psios, he should take Three steps forward. Okay? Three steps forward. Why does a person take three steps forward? Because there are three different times when people use the phrase, which means, and he approached. Three different people did that. Okay? Avraham steps forward. When does Avraham step forward? To talk to Hashem about Sodom. Right, when he's upset, when he wants to fight on behalf of stop! Vaigash Abraham, Avraham, Avraham steps forward. The next one, Vaigash Yehuda, right? Elav Yehuda, when I mean, Yehuda steps forward to talk to the Viceroy of Egypt. And number three, Vaigash Eliyahu, when Eliyahu Navi steps forward in order, to, in order to talk to the people who are serving of Odazari, and he says, how long are you going to you know, Play it both ways, and then he, this is the, this, this, the uh, story of Yehuda uh, Eliyahu in the Har Carmel, right? Where he makes this big song and dance, him versus the the Ebal and everyone sees that his 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 korban explodes, and their korban nothing happens. and Everyone says, "Wow, Hashem is Hash, Hashem Lokim, Hashem Lokim." And then the next day, they go back to doing Borezara, but it, but it works great for like five minutes. Um, but that story happens there. Eliyahu approaches Hashem in Tzvila, okay? So because of the three Vayigashes. That's why we take three steps forward. Okay, so what? Yeah, uh, doing it. Well, also
1: Yehuda isn't davening.
0: Oh, uh, Yehuda davening. isn't davening. We're davening. Yehuda's approaching. Yourself. So what's happening well, in each of Abraham's these three things?
1: Davening is not. It's it's a. Uh, it's entering into almost like a, um, trying to convince something or argue something. Negotiation. And, uh, yeah, negotiation. That's the word. Thank you. Good. Yeah. And, and Yehuda's doing the same thing. Okay. So same yeah. idea. Like, oh, let's you know, let's talk this out, maybe take me instead of him, that whole thing. Right. Um, I don't, I haven't seen the Eliyahu story right. in, inside, but I'm yeah. going to assume that there's some, also some element of convincing or negotiating going with the on people. there. Eliyahu
0: right. know, so, is you know, actually, you know, actually going to the people to talk right. to them and to say to them, like, well, what's wrong with you guys? How long are you going to be doing like Avodah Zarah and serving Sham at the same time? Like, that doesn't work. You can't do both. Right. So right? that wouldn't be
1: the same. So ah, so, but there's so, some recognition of Hashem's role. Good. So I, I've,
0: I've heard because, different ways of breaking this down. Yeah. Some say that, that Avram is davening on behalf of the non-Jewish world. Right? He's davening on behalf of, I mean, the non-Jewish then, but like the, the rest of the world, right? Not his people per se, right? You have Yehuda coming to approach on behalf of his own people, right? And you have Eliyahu going to, to going to not daven to da Hashem, but to convince and work with his own people, right? So you have like different forms of, Vayigash, different like elements of approaching others to have a conversation to, to, uh, to negotiate. So either negotiating with God or negotiating with Kala Yisrael or negotiating with God on behalf of the rest of the world. But regardless, that's the reason why we step forward. So why do we step back before we step forward? I
1: just, I don't know what it was, but it's felt peace because when you step back, it like allows yourself to open your, yourself up to hearing someone else's perspective so
0: that you can reach an agreement. That's a much nicer channel than what I was gonna
1: say. Uh, <laughs> that's nice.
0: I was gonna say you step back so that you can step forward.
1: Right. Uh, uh, in fact,
0: yeah, like if, you fire yourself, if you find yourself in a situation, let's like say someone's diving behind you, right, so when someone's diving, if they see you're a little bit late to the party, and like otherwise you already started, everyone already started already, and you're walking in, so if you're gonna step back and you're gonna act up stepping to someone else's dive office, you're not supposed to do that while they're diving. You're not supposed to step in front of somebody else. So all you need to do is just step three steps forward. You don't have to actually mm-hmm. step back. Usually we step back to give ourselves three steps forward. Mm. But there may be more to it than that. But that's different than, by the way, the three steps back at the end. That well, does a lot. That's mine. That so does that, a, then
1: you mm. say, O'sash there's a lot
0: won't more won't there. That's something else. But the initial three steps back, many say that's just to get three steps. Back. By the way, it's, this three steps forward really comes from this dark, this dark emotion, this Rokach, which is like, we're talking like 1300s. This is not coming from the Gemara. This is not like so ancient. I don't know what they did. Like, you know, in the year 500 in the Damage Monastery. I don't know exactly, but, but, that, that's, but that's the three steps forward. But, I, but, but what I want to show you, so first of all, it's just I think mean, it's cool. Um, that's Aleph. It's just cool. Um, that this comes from a place of like, when you come to the bonus Olam, what are you coming for? Right, what, what's my purpose? You certainly comes with a purpose. Adil comes with a purpose. Avram comes with a purpose. A very specific goal. I'm not just coming like, I don't know, I guess I'm supposed to. You know, like that's what, what we do three times a day. Like, no, 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 Like, I have something to accomplish here. Right? Which I think is very important. That the Vayigash, as we started with, Vayigash is a very purposeful thing to do. It is not just, right? It's something more than that. Just can you pass me one of the things? I think you have a bigger hand. Um, but I want to show you a different but similar idea from the Lemudian Nisan. It happens to be, I quoted the Lemudian Nisan this past Shabbat in Shul. But I'm quoting him again. Sort of like, Coincidentally, but maybe it's not coincidentally But Reminiscent Nissen Albert, Rav Nissen Albert was a Rosh Hashiva In Yeshiva University He came, really came, from, came from Europe Came to New York And, uh, and eventually became a He went to like public school on the Lower East Side or something And eventually became a He was a ritual rabbi also uh, And he wrote a safer called I don't know if he wrote it or someone wrote it up His ideas his ideas in the parasha called the Mude Nisan so, And he passed away actually relatively young You see he was only 58, 59 years old um, And he writes the following and we have to, right, we have to, I don't know, I don't know, same, same with words, we have to figure out what it means. You guys see where I am in source number five? Yeah. Yes. What's the reason why he comes up to Yosef? Just say, he said to Just say, he said to him. Va'yigash Yoav. So, by the way, we have this is the only three education. times you have Va'yigash. Okay. Va'yigash Yoav from Milchama. Yoav, who was the Sard uh, he was the commander in chief of the armed forces for for David Melech. So he came from Milchama. Hagashalat Pius. Va'yigash Bnei Yehuda El Yoshua. Lafayso, there's a story where where the Bnei Yehuda have to come to Yoshua and make him not upset at them. Rabbi Naan Amrei Hagashalat Tefila. And Chazal say also Va'yigash for Ba'igash Va'yigash Aliyav Hanavi. Va'yomer Hashem Lakai. So you go to Hashem. All, these are all three of the same thing. Not just just like to go out to war, you need preparation. Right? Physical and spiritual strength. We know what that means right now, to go to war, with physical and spiritual strength of character. Same thing if you're going to Davin, Same thing if you're going to have a conversation with someone who's upset with you. Right? In all situations. You need such a thing, but then he said, "I want to add something else." V'nira lehosif. I want to add on. when I'm going to approach war, nachutz ma'od shiakir hetev estiv nafshol shayvo. If you're going to war, you need to know your enemy very, very well. Ask the IDF. Right? You have to have intelligence and know what these people are like. If you're going to go to war, if you don't know what they're like, you're going to make a mistake. What, what, what they're strong at, what they're weak at, you've got to find the weak spots in order to be able to attack the enemy. If you don't have an intimate knowledge of the enemy, you're going to fail. right? If you don't understand what, right, this is a lot of what's going on in the philosophy of dealing with Hamas, right? The way some argue the Western world is looking at Hamas and the way those who feel like they understand the jihadi mindset better, right? What they – right? Oh, you mean just like give them a job and they'll be happy. Like – or no, they're like – they have a murderous desire, religious desire to murder Jews. That will never happen if they have money or jobs. We want to make a difference. But sorry, that's my – sorry. I didn't say anything. Um, I didn't say that. But some argue uh, such things. So, but, but, but it's very true, right? If you don't, if you misunderstand your enemy, you will fail and they will defeat you, right? Kamochim b'ma palah. <laughs> I think he means tefillah. <laughs> Sarich lo atzmo. If I want to daven, right? I need to know myself. Es malo sav, I need to know what I'm good at and what I'm lacking in. To have a relationship between me and Hashem. I have to be honest about who I am as a person when I come to be bon shalom, right? I think everything depends on Hashem. I can't be focused on other things. I have to be focused on who Hashem is and on who I am, right? To know myself and what I need to work on and what I can do better with, and to be really to be honest with myself when I'm having that conversation. And same thing if I'm going to have a conversation with someone who's upset with me and I want to rectify that relationship. I need to know the person that I'm talking to. If I want to help, if, someone wants, if I want someone to, to, to you know, appreciate what I'm going to say to them, I have to know who they are, know what matters to them. How am I going to find that thing that's going to go right to their heart? Vikiruv beinol aveinol actually divarim ha yotzim inaleiv yechnasim inaleiv is what it means. So I'm going to say something from the heart. I know it's not. It's going to go through. Ula fikach eitz kulam nemar lashon hagasha. That's what the language is. Vayigash kiruv gamur, a real closeness. Vakara mitit beinol bein chavero to really understand each other. Fritz perfectly what we said before, right? It's the idea of. Yosef coming close, Yehuda coming closer, stepping into the inner circle, whispering in Yosef's ear. I'm going to tell you something directly. Just you and me. Let's have an intimate conversation. Right? He wanted to really connect with him. He wanted to come close and really speak to his heart. So Yehuda doesn't know Yosef. Or at least he doesn't think, he thinks he doesn't. Mm-hmm. But he knows one thing about Yosef. What was the thing that Yosef cares about the most in these conversations? Family. Whose family? Yehuda's family. And who in Yehuda's family? His father. His father. What does he ask him over and over and over again? How's your father? Your father alive? What's up with your father? How's your father doing? He cares about his father. He cares about his father. You can have that sometimes in conversation. Even something you don't know so well. You start to get to know them. They start to, mm-hmm. right? How's that? And you, you, right? Right? you, you have like a certain, mm-hmm. every time you see them, they ask about a certain thing. They know your parents. They know something, right? And, like mm-hmm. the, right? and that's like the thing that, oh, right, we both know that person. Oh, yeah, I just saw that person again, right? You see them again. You remember the thing that connected you between the, that person, right? Same, same thing here going on as well. That he, that he speaks to the thing that he believes that matters to Yosef. So by gosh, I love you. that comes close. Meaning he's gonna he's gonna go after that thing that he believes that Yosef cares about the most. Who's that? His father, and happens to be, he's right more than he realizes, right? But, he, but he's correct in that approach, okay? Uh, which I think is very beautiful.
1: Hey, Rabbi? Yes.
0: Can we go even a little bit deeper and answer we can.
1: Rona's question? Yes, which is that the Jewish neshama can only be so hidden, and so even though it's impossible for the brothers to think that they're that their brother is alive right. that that, it's po- that. how could it possibly be that the head of Egypt is a Jew and yet it's almost like Yehuda is taking that chance because there's something there like he you know not that it's his brother but meaning there's a Jewish spark
0: there's like something about this can person
1: hide. yes like he knows like what? I'm not going to get killed by saying can you could take, take it even
0: further killer? you could say you have to say they know he's Jewish but maybe they can tell that he's looking at them in a certain way there's a certain way is right. right. entreating them right he take the, he he when Benjamin came they they have a suda and he hangs out with them and there's something going on here that know, Yehuda knows. Yeah, there's something there's there's, there's the something in knows. this relationship says Yehuda that I can be closer to this person. Uh-huh. He's not all bad. He doesn't realize why, but yes, maybe he picked up something something about him. But I, I want to show you something. I thought it was so, This like popped in my head when when uh, when I saw this this shot. This can be applied to so many things. Relationships, right, it can You applied to so many things. But, I, but, I, but I, if you ever read this book, Source mm-hmm. Number Six, it is the, the worst title for a really wonderful book. Dale Carnegie, if you ever read it, it's a wonderful book. How to Win Friends and Influence People. It doesn't sound right. I like, I've, like, hesitated to even bring it on the plane sometimes because it looks hot. If you don't know the book, it's a classic. It's, from like, the 1920s or whatever. Like, you, it's the worst title but it is a wonderful book about human relationships, right? So he tells us, and the, and the reason I love it, because this is a book I like, it's all stories. The whole story is all maizum. It's all maizalach. So he tells the following story, okay? And, uh, on the left side, here's another illustration. And he's talking about, right, you see on top, six ways to make people like you. Again, like the way he says it is so like, ugh, that sounds like so not, but it's wonderful. C.M. Nap- Canapoli, Napoli, Junior, uh, of Philadelphia, I like <laughs> <laughs> had, ch- had tried for years to sell fuel to a large chain store organization but the chain store company continued to purchase its fuel from an out-of-town dealer and haul it right past the door of napoli's office mr napoli made a speech one night before one of my classes pouring out his hot wrath upon chain stores branding them as a curse to the nation why is he at the class because dale carnegie is helping him how to communicate better right? that's why he came to it for And they still have to this very day, the Al Carnegie's workshops. And still, he wondered why he couldn't sell to them. I suggested that he try different tactics. To put it briefly, this is what happened. We staged a debate between members of the course on whether the spread of the chain store is doing the country more harm than good. Napoli, at my suggestion, took the negative side. He agreed to defend the chain stores and then went straight to an executive of the chain store organization that he despised and said, I'm not here to try to sell fuel. I have come back to you to ask you to do me a favor. He then told about the debate and said, I have to come to you for help because I can't think of anyone else who will be more capable of giving me the facts that I want. I'm anxious to win this debate and I'm, I'll deeply appreciate whatever help you can give me. Here is the rest of the story in Mr. Napley's own words. I had asked this man for precisely one minute of his time. It was without understanding that he consented to meet me. After I had stated my case, he motioned to meet me to a chair and talked to me for exactly one hour and 47 minutes. He called in another executive who had written a book on chain stores. He wrote to the National Chain Store Association and secured for me a copy of a debate on the subject. He feels that the chain store is rendering a real service to humanity. He's proud of what he's doing for hundreds of communities. His eyes fairly glowed as he talked, and I must confess that he opened my eyes to things I'd never even dreamed of. He changed my whole mental attitude. As I was leaving, he walked, me, he walked with me to the door, put his arm on my shoulder, wished me well in my debate, and asked me to stop in and see him again and let him know when I, how I would made out. The last words he said to me were, please see me again later in the spring. I should like to place an order with you for fuel. Aww. To me, it was almost, that was almost a miracle. Here he was offering to buy fuel without my even suggesting it. I had made more headway in two hours by becoming genuinely interested in him and his problems than I could have made in 10 years trying to get him interested in me and my product. Carnegie talks about this all the time in the book. About taking actual interest in other people. And that sometimes when we want to get through to somebody, when we're willing to take interest in what they're interested in, all of a sudden people open up and they're willing to connect. So there's a, it's a story that they're told about the Gabbai in Maimonides minion in Boston, where the, the Rav was the rabbi, that uh, one time the, they uh, had time between minchamarv, and the Rav said to the guy, he said, "'Could you teach me about baseball?' He's like, sorry? He's like, I need you to teach me the rules of baseball. He's, <laughs> He's like, sure. He tells him three strikes. And, uh, uh. He's like, and, and when they're done, after 20 minutes, he says, I'm like, oh, what is this about? Shav-
1: this is one of your Shabbos weeks.
0: Yeah, I said that on yes. <laughs> so he said, why did you, you want to know this? He said, my grandson is coming to visit and he likes baseball. So I want to make mm-hmm. sure I know how to talk to him about it matters to him. Right? And it's true in, in parenting. It's true in life. Right? People like people who listen to them. And I tell us to my some of my students all the time you want to go on a date remember to ask and then ask again and then ask again and listen to her don't say oh you like it? you went to Campasora I also went to Campasora no like you went to Campasora what was that like for you right and the girl's going to be like oh and she's going to tell you all about it right because if you, if, you, if you I'm telling you a bunch of women this, about this right but like right? if you actually listen to somebody you're going to find that they're going to feel more connected to you Yosef Right, Yehuda recognizes if he speaks to the thing that matters to Yosef, mm-hmm. he's going to get through. Says Renis Nisnael. Right, and of course, it's true also in our marriages. Right, it's true in our relationships with our spouse. Same thing. When we, when we take the time to, to, to find interest in the things that interest our spouse, and to listen and to be there and to respond, and someone comes home and says, "You never leave. What happened today?" Right, this is, a whole, this is a Gottman thing. Right, it's called bids. Right? when the person it's called, it's called it's called turning towards. When someone says to you, the spouse says hey, I never believe what happened today. And you say, oh my gosh, I had the worst day. So you just blew it, right? She said she wants to tell you about her day. Say, tell me about it, right? Or if you ignore it or if you walk away or whatever. So not only have you not taken the opportunity to connect, you've actually closed the door on that person. It hurts their feelings, right? And we all do it. We all bid at each other, right? We bid our spouse all the time, right? Looking for that thing. Hey, I, I want to share something. And when they offer that up, do we turn and say, tell me about it, right, and that, Gottman argues that the people who are the best at turning towards, at, at, you know, recognizing the other, and being willing to listen, right, are the people who have the best relationships, because you're willing to step outside yourself, and what most people want in the world is just to be seen, and to be heard, right, and that's, in the end of the day, Albert wants to argue, is what Yehuda did to Yosef, Right, again, he doesn't listen, he tells him. But he spoke to the thing that he cares about. And I'll just show you the last, last, last line is, is a medrash. I don't know if it's a medrash which says, We have that story also. Right? That, 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 that can also be a language of love. Right? To turn to someone and to show them that you care to listen, you care to be interested in what they care about, makes all the difference in the world. So, whatever the answer is, whatever the real answer is, I think they're all the real answer. In terms of the power of Vayigash being a person who's willing and able to step up, right, when you have to, to take responsibility for the things that you did, to be a person who's willing to, you know, uh, step into the inner circle and have a real conversation with somebody, and also being a person who's willing to look at somebody else and say, you know what, these are the things that matter to you when I talk to you about right, to, to be thoughtful and considerate, what am I here to talk about? I'm here to talk already, I might as well think about it and prepare myself appropriately, when we do that, so then we have an opportunity to enhance all our relationships. It's my, brother, my brother yeah. has something to, with his kids.